0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Ira's Toy Store. Come visit Santa Claus at Ira's Toy Store, but make sure you're not on the naughty list. Under the altar for with the stevens, into goblins and wallows. Come at the grand light like, making a scent, the smell of death is on the red. Not when the cold wind blows, no one cares, Hello, my name is Chris.
1: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's our second Christmas week here on Pod Cemetery for the year 2020 such that it is with... 1987 Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, and 2019's Black Christmas. But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show?
1: Horror trivia.
0: Give me what you got.
1: They're here. Name the movie.
0: Poltergeist.
1: Yeah. I didn't even do it in the voice, and you knew.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that would have even, that would have given it away even more. Okay, Kelsey. This is just something that I noticed was weird about this movie. In Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2, younger brother Ricky recounts his brother Billy's exploits in the original film. He claims the police mistakenly shot a deaf janitor in a Santa suit. But, since we saw the original movie, we know that the deaf man in the Santa suit was actually... Who? Who? Wasn't it a priest? It was a priest, yes. Good job, yeah. I
1: was like, I don't know why, it just popped into my head that it was a priest.
0: I don't know, did they just like not watch, I mean they had to have watched the first movie.
1: I don't think they cared. Like they really
0: didn't care.
1: I don't think they gave a shit about this movie. I I don't think anyone did. I don't think anyone did.
0: Well, let's get right into it. Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 from 1987. Directed by Lee Harry, characters by Michael Hickey and Paul Camey, story by Lee Harry, Joseph H. Earle, Dennis Patterson, Lawrence Applebaum, and screenplay by Lee Harry and Joseph H. Earl. At first, I thought there were so many writing credits because they included the credits from the original movie. And nope, it took four separate people to write this movie. Wow. Starring Eric Freeman, James Newman, and Elizabeth Caton. Elizabeth Caton was uh, Jennifer in this movie. She was also in Friday the 13th Part 7. So we will, in a couple of years, I guess, get to her again. Okay. What is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 about?
1: Ricky, the younger brother of the guy who went crazy in the first one.
0: Punished. Is
1: telling the story of his brother And then eventually we get to his story and why he's in jail.
0: Yeah, half this movie, just go back and listen to our episode on Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. And that's half of this movie. Yeah. It is available for free with a subscription on Prime, Shudder, and Hoopla with ads on Tubi and Pluto TV. You can rent it for as low as $2 on Google Play or YouTube. It's also available for $3 on Amazon, Fandango, Vudu, and Microsoft. Or you can buy it for as low as $7 on Google Play and YouTube and $8 on the others. Should people watch Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2?
1: No. No one should ever see this movie. I mean,
0: even if you were like... Well, if you want to know the context to Garbage Day...
1: I always wanted to know the context There is to no garb- Day. There's there none. is no
0: context. No. He walks up to a guy who's taking out his garbage and says it's Garbage Day when he shoots him. Like, he's taking out the actual garbage. Yeah, there That's is, the entirety of the context. There
1: is no other context going on. <laughs> this is not a character that you've met. You don't know anything about this person. What you see on YouTube is what you get in the movie. <laughs> don't watch this movie.
0: You know... There is something absolutely endearing about it. If you're into, it's a little campy, and if you didn't watch the first one, don't worry, this will retell that entire fucking story. You know, you get it's like two birds with one stone, and it's like, if you know it's bad going into it, maybe actually watch it, I'd say. But no, if somebody was to ask me to recommend a Christmas horror movie, it would not be this one. No. No, absolutely not. Well, you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1987's Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. He's back. It's the terrorizing sequel to the film that shocked the nation by breaking all the rules. It's Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Sent is back, and he's mighty miffed at the naughty nun who drove his demented brother on a murderous rampage that made headlines across the country. Now, step by step, weapon by weapon. Victim by victim, Santa's gonna finish what his brothers started, so you better watch out, you better not pout, because Santa Claus is coming to your town, and he knows who's been naughty, and who's been nice. Hold on tight, for the sequel that'll chill you through your very soul, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. All right, Kelsey, get us started, how does Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2 begin?
1: We meet a doctor, what's his name?
0: I just kept referring to him as the doctor. Yeah. Dr. Henry Bloom, played by James Newman.
1: He is coming in to interview Ricky. Again, the younger brother of the guy who went crazy in the first one.
0: Yeah. Whose name is Billy.
1: Why Ricky is in jail at this point, we don't know.
0: Right. We know he did something bad. Yes. And he's a little bit cuckoo.
1: Yes. He's very obviously gone insane. And the guard knows that he's crazy. 100%
0: does not trust him.
1: Tries to stay in the room, but the doctor won't let him. Uh Uh-huh. Which, yeah, the doctor's gonna die. But where that guard is gonna go, I don't know. Yeah. Because he's gonna get away at the end. I so don't care about this movie. I'm just gonna tell you right now. He gets away. (laughs) He kills the doctor and this guard that we don't see once, but twice. Yep. Who gets yelled at to leave the room. Twice. We never see again. Never see again. Where the fuck did he go?
0: We see him three times in total because he's there at the very beginning, too. Right. But yeah. But you
1: get what I mean. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, Ricky is being a snot-nosed little brat to the doctor, but the doctor is also being an asshole and just being like, my time is very valuable. Yeah,
0: he's a dickhead.
1: But he does say, your time is running out. I am your last chance. So, again, we assume... To get out of whatever it is that he has been accused of doing. Yeah. Which we again do not know what that is yet. And that is when he asks him, who killed your parents? And that is when we go back in time to the first movie. And we
0: tell the whole first movie over again. Like full scenes with brief Ever-so-brief commentary from Ricky and the Doctor in between scenes. A little bit of narration. But we are just getting... It's like, hey, you know, last time on Silent Night, Deadly Night. But I wrote down... uh, At this point, the movie is more the original than itself. uh, And mainly about his older brother and not him, too. Like, the Doctor's going into the psychosis that the brother has for quite a long time. Because that's what the first movie was all about. Right. And I wrote down, when we get to that point... 40 minutes in, and we just finished wrapping up the first movie. Just about halfway through the movie. Yeah. Like, Jesus. It's
1: not good, guys. After he explains that his parents were murdered by a Santa Claus, because that really is the
0: story. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, can I just point out? Okay, so listen to our episode on Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's episode 63. So just check out that episode and you'll hear the entire story. We're going to skip all the the recap of the first movie. We'll talk about the stuff that happens in between, though.
1: Yes. See, after he tells the story about how his parents were murdered, he asks him, how could you remember that? (laughs) Because he is an infant. He's an infant. He is an infant when this happens. But he explains, well, my brother told me. He also says, well, I was there.
0: Yeah, as if that means something.
1: (laughs) Yes, uh, I think we should probably mention, I mean, it's going to definitely come up later, but we should probably mention the fact that the main guy, you might, if you were just to sit down and watch this movie, you might just assume that he's an absolutely terrible actor, but the more you pay attention to it...
0: Oh, every choice is 100% intentional.
1: Yes. Absolutely. It's all intentional, and I don't understand why.
0: Apparently, there was a little... uh, argument between the director and the writer of the movie, like the main writer and the the director over how he should act. The writer was basically coming to Eric Freeman, the actor who plays Ricky and telling him, play it up as much as you possibly can. Like make it big, make it ridiculous. And so he was like getting that in the movie as much as he can and i guess the director was sort of like talking him down throughout the whole process and this is the end result that we get
1: well the director didn't do his fucking job then <laughs> i mean it is it is obvious that it's on purpose yes. like there i've seen bad actors guys i've taught bad actors <laughs> this is on purpose but the whole film you're sitting there wondering why because this movie is not being played up for laughs
0: yeah Yeah, I guess I agree with that. But, I mean, in the acting choices, in the fact that, like, it's obviously ridiculous, some of the stuff that happens here. It's supposed to be intense. Like, the first movie, there are multiple rape attempts in the first movie, and they are not played for laughs at all. Like, it's supposed to be disturbing. But everything else is, like, ridiculous and silly. You know, how intense it is with punish and, like, all of that stuff. That carries over into this movie.
1: It's very muddled. It is. It did not. It, it. You can't. Okay, if you're gonna go full camp, you got to go full camp. You cannot do this middle walk line because it leaves your audience wondering what you meant for them to get out of it.
0: Yeah, is it intense and terrifying, or is it silly and ridiculous? And this, like you say, tries to walk the line and.
1: It It fails miserably. Or it's
0: just a meandering line and you shouldn't walk it. Probably. Did you get the line? Do you dream, Ricky? Just out of nowhere, the doctor asks him if he dreams. And Ricky's response is... I don't sleep.
1: Oh, no, I did (laughs) not write that down. I did write down about Billy having bad dreams.
0: Yes, like, that's I'm saying, for the first half of this movie, the doctor is just hearing second-hand information about the guy's brother. Like...
1: <laughs> when we get to the part where the nun ties Billy down at night because he's trying to escape, I guess. I don't remember. No,
0: I think it's because he has bad dreams. Yeah. he thrashes around in his sleep and stuff.
1: Well, remember, but he also, like, almost tried to run away. Mm-hmm. And that's when she started tying him up. He said... No one heard him screaming, but I did. And that's when I wrote down, I can't believe this guy's acting. And then a little while longer later, I was like, it's gotta be the director. There's just no fucking way. Um, I would like to point out that they kept in. So the editing here of putting together the scenes from the first film is just terrible because there's long parts of these scenes that are unnecessary but i did enjoy that he kept the song because i had completely forgotten about the song
0: the song
1: santa's watching santa's oh, creeping oh yes that's the Santa two that, that the two people who,
0: the bad. owner of the shop and the girl that really likes him yes sing that drunkenly on on christmas eve night mm-hmm. yes Oh, that was such a weird song. It's such a weird song. It was an original song written for Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 1, as if some sort of cultural song that everyone knows, and so they're singing along together, but it's original for the movie, and yeah, it's so weird.
1: Completely forgot it existed, yes. so I was very glad to be reminded of its existence. Uh-huh. That's a
0: Christmas Eve, this holy hear <laughs>
1: We get to the part where, you know, it's Santa Claus! No, it's not! Get away from him!
0: Oh, right before that, when Ricky's like, no one knew where he was headed or where to find him or whatever, and the doctor's like, well, it's fairly obvious where he was going. He's going to the orphanage, right? Ricky's response is, really? Then maybe we're just jerking off here then, huh? (laughs) So good. It's fairly obvious where he was going. Really? Well, maybe we're just jerking off here then. Huh? Do you say so. <laughs> so good. See what I mean when I say, like, if you know this is a bad movie going into it, there's little gems here in this movie. Not a lot. Just little teeny gems. Yeah,
1: not a lot. But So when they get to the part where <laughs> they finally killed his brother... I wrote down the nuns make him go crazy. Is that, is that Ricky or is that Billy? I have Billy? No idea what you're talking about. I don't know, but I wrote Jesus Christ this movie. Like, it's just <laughs> like, I can't, I can't believe this is happening.
0: The flashbacks aren't done yet though, because now that the recap is done 40 minutes into the movie, we now get to hear about Ricky's story leading up to why he's he is where he is now and, and that's thankfully the rest of the movie
1: this is gonna go real fast guys because <laughs> there ain't a lot of substance to it no there isn't he gets adopted by like really nice people
0: Uh-huh. but because he's like disturbed every time he sees red cloth or red satin or whatever it is he goes into like a fugue state and so they bring him back to the orphanage and the orphanage is like yeah that's exactly why he needs you guys and he so, needs us. Yeah, that's what sh- the mom says now. Like, oh, he needs us. And so they take him back home again.
1: So then we get a jump in time to when he's 15 and the guy who plays him at 15 is like 30. <laughs> okay,
0: no, he's not 30. That is that is Daryl Gilbo. He plays the 15-year-old version of Ricky and he was 24 at the time of filming. He
1: certainly does not look 15.
0: Eric Freeman, who's supposed to be 18, our main character...
1: They used two actors between fifteen and eighteen.
0: Yes, and the eighteen-year-old actor Eric Freeman, like the main actor, was twenty-one. So his fifteen-year-old actor, who's supposed to be three years younger than him, is actually three years older than him.
1: <laughs> See what I mean? Nobody gave a shit about Nobody this movie. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody I mean, gave a shit.
0: Daryl Gilbo, who plays the fifteen-year-old one, he he looks young. Does he? No, he looks like small. You know what I mean? Like that. He looks like he looks like a like a nineteen year old kid who's like a young Republican type, you know what I mean you know wears suits to high school and stuff like that like he looks like that kind of guy.
1: we disagree. I thought he was gonna I thought he was like thirty when I saw him, <laughs> but so when he's fifteen, this is the weirdest scene. <laughs> When he's 15 years old, his adoptive dad dies. I don't know why that's even included in here. It has nothing to do with the story. Mm -hmm. He ends up seeing a woman almost getting raped by a man.
0: So, this is the third time in the story of Ricky and Billy, this is the third time that they just happen to be in a place where they witness an attempted rape. By pulling open, like, ripping open somebody's blouse, and their breasts are hanging out and everything. Like, very similar circumstances. The third time, really?
1: The difference here being he he doesn't blame the victim like his fucking brother did. Yeah,
0: uh uh-huh.
1: So, in this one, I don't even remember where they are. How They're like in a park somewhere, yeah. She's about to be raped by this guy. I know, I'm not laughing about that. I'm laughing about what happens. He, the, the she, she finally gets him off of her. She, like, throws him off of her. And he's pissed, so he goes to the car to, like, get a beer. And she yells at him, you know, you're an asshole. And Ricky just decides, I'm just gonna run this guy over. With his
0: own Jeep. <laughs> and he does... And this woman is close enough to see something weird's going on with the Jeep up there. And so she gets closer as Ricky gets out of the Jeep and he walks away. And she's just staring at him, having seen what happened. And then he looks at her, she looks at him, and she just says, Thank you. <laughs> and he walks away.
1: So he's been taught, guys, that murder is
0: okay. Also, what thank you? <laughs> Don't you realize it's gonna look like you did it? Yeah, exactly.
1: It's gonna look like you murdered that dude, <laughs> but like, it's hilarious. <laughs> just, just like I just witnessed a murder, but you know what? Like I tried to rape him. Like, so fuck him. <laughs> like, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I don't know if I would be like, oh fuck, and run away or like call the cops, or if I would say thank you. I don't know.
0: I wouldn't walk up to him. I would hide. <laughs>
1: I wrote down thank you with a, with a question mark and an exclamation point. I'm like What? Thank you. <laughs> so now cut to 18 and now he has a job. I guess he hasn't murdered anybody in three years. No,
0: I guess not.
1: <laughs> so now he's 18 and he has a job. Oh, the doctor job. does
0: comment about how he didn't know about that murder. <laughs> that Ricky kind of let this one slip.
1: I see. <laughs> so... At 18, he gets a job where he like works, he he takes out the trash or something. So he goes out into this alleyway and sees like a mobster beating another guy up uh-huh. and talking about how much he enjoys beating the guy up, even if the guy can pay him.
0: He's like, I hope you can't pay so I can do this again.
1: Yeah. And so Ricky takes it upon himself to just murder that dude.
0: With an umbrella.
1: Yes. Oh my god, yes. With an umbrella that he sticks through the person. It is
0: an incredible kill. It is incredible. He shoves this umbrella right through this dude's sternum, out the other end, and then it opens up and blood goes everywhere.
1: Yes. (laughs) It's
0: incredible. Come on, it's one of the highlights of the movie. It
1: is ridiculous. And then he falls to the ground and it starts to rain. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And the rain falls on the fucking umbrella. Like, it is... It is ridiculous. It's silly, it's funny, but it's just like, yes. what just happened? I think
0: I think this this series has just resigned itself to be stupid. I and guess. And that's fine, but they still try to be, like, super intense sometimes, and that's, like, where we're saying, maybe don't walk that line. Because I think if they just went whole hog into silly, maybe that's what the next three Silent Night, Deadly Night movies do. There are Jesus. five of them.
1: Jesus. Well, so after hearing about that murder... The doctor's like, what about Jennifer? And he goes, Jennifer, the only thing I ever cared about. So we meet this chick. How does he even meet her?
0: I don't know if we know. Okay. Maybe we do. I, we probably see it, but it's not important. He meets her. He falls in love with her They have sex
1: and it's amazing. Yes. Their first time is just perfect.
0: But, you know, he doesn't have that same... He didn't grow up like Billy did You know, where he was punished constantly, told that punishment was good and that sex is bad. So he he has a little bit of it vicariously through his brother, but he's not as indoctrinated as his brother was. So that's why he doesn't kill the victims in rapes like uh, Billy did. So, yeah, he has sex for the first time. He's like, wow, that was great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So he's happy as heck. And he goes to take his girl on a date. And they go to the movies. But the date doesn't go well. Okay, so they go to the movies. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Yes, tell this story. It is so ridiculous. I I just want to get to the
0: part that I absolutely love. I
1: can't even with this movie. But he
0: has a movie-going experience exactly like anyone else. It's the reason I hate going to the movies. I understand that there are larger implications for the industry, but... Fuck movie theaters, bring it straight to my home, as far as I'm concerned, because dealing with other people, as Jean-Paul Sartre said, hell is other people, and (laughs) going to the movie theater, invariably, somebody will piss either myself or Kelsey off. Yes. And it just makes it really hard to enjoy our time watching the movie. So, there's somebody there, and he's being very loud and obnoxious, very intentionally, and... This dude feels like he has to do something about it. Ricky does. Jennifer meanwhile realizes that her ex-boyfriend is there with another date as well. So Ricky gets up and leaves at one point. And while he's gone, this boyfriend comes over and starts like acting oh, wait, like a sleazeball. Oh, you ball. missed
1: the best part. Before Has he that happened? Leaves. It happened already. It is okay. why he okay. leaves. Okay. okay,
0: okay, okay. This is so good. This is so good. <laughs> Jennifer is really excited about this movie. She's the one who brought him to this movie and Ricky asks her, what movie is this? And you can see on the screen that it's the robbery scene from the first movie.
1: Oh is Silent it?
0: Night Deadly Night Yeah I
1: never. So it's I didn't not notice. Billy's
0: story, but it's a Santa Claus committing a robbery, right? And he asks, what movie is this?" And she says, oh, it's great. It's about a guy who dresses up like Santa and kills people. And Ricky goes, what? <laughs> it's so good. What did you say this movie was about? Oh,
1: it's great. It's about this guy who dresses up like Santa Claus and kills people. What? It's so good. It, I, I did. I laughed out <laughs> loud. It's a great delivery. You've got to see his face when he says it, too. It's so good. <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: That's the part. That's like my favorite part of this movie. It's great. It's so good. So anyway, he, so
1: he leaves. leaves. He's like, I gotta go. Yeah, he's and just he like, leaves. Fuck this.
0: Jennifer's ex boyfriend comes by and starts like being a real sleaze bag to her. Meanwhile, we start to see in the background the dude that's making a, a, a ruckus in the theater, and he's talking to his friend. And the next time he looks over at his friend, it's just Ricky sitting there. We never see what happens to the friend, like staring him in the face. And then he attacks him and kills him right there in the theater while Jennifer is having this conversation with her ex-boyfriend. And then he comes back and the boyfriend fucks off. That's the end of the date that we see, right? We don't see anything more from that. So like the next day or some other day, it's during the daytime. They're going on a walk and they're sweethearts as they're walking down the street. And they end up walking by Chet's broken down car and Chet's the ex-boyfriend. And he starts being a total asshole again and making fun of Ricky and being a dickhead to Jennifer until finally he lets slip his big secret that he promised he wouldn't tell anybody that he and Jennifer had sex. And that sort of infuriates Ricky Sort of half because it's like, I thought you were a virgin like me, but also sort of half because how dare you be an absolute dickhead to my girlfriend, the woman that I love. And he beats the shit out of this guy and then takes one of the jumper cables off of the battery that's on his broken down car and like sticks it on his... Tongue or something yeah, like that. he puts it in his mouth. Put, yeah, puts it in his mouth, and we get this actually very impressive looking fake Chet head.
1: You thought it was impressive looking?
0: It's it's uh, it it doesn't move at all. So it's you're not going to confuse it for the real thing. But the level of fidelity in this very still puppet head is actually pretty high. It's pretty impressive. I thought. I thought that's a pretty good fake Chet head until his head just blows up. Yeah. And Jennifer comes back and says. You killed him. I hate you, Ricky. And we hear Mother Superior's voice, punishment is good. Punishment is absolute from the first movie. And Ricky says, the best line in the series, punish. And Jennifer's response is, "Uh uh-oh.
1: yes, that's what I wrote down. I was like, punish, Uh uh-oh. I didn't know why I wrote that. What are you doing? Are you
0: out of your mind? Very naughty. You've killed him! Punishment is good. I hate you, Ricky. Punishment is absolute. I hate you! Punish! Hmm? And so Ricky just goes off on a spree and he kills everyone he sees. This is where we get garbage day from when we already explained that scene.
1: Yes, he's just, he, he's going down the street and he's just murdering people and after the first Making one he
0: Making cars flip and explode and-
1: After the first person he kills, he's like, motherfucker. And I was like- <laughs> Did he mean that because that was like a dad or like and just like motherfucker like fuck you? I don't yeah, I know. I think it's just
0: fuck you. Yeah, and, yeah.
1: And then garbage day. <laughs> it is great. It is great, but
0: there is no context. There's no to context. It. Yes, and that's almost what makes it good. Uh-huh. Is is because there is zero context to provide. That's how ridiculous it is. Garbage day.
1: He runs into a little girl on her bike, but he decides not to kill her because she says. Excuse me,
0: mister. That's okay.
1: She was polite.
0: Yep, she was polite. And so he lets her go on her way. He's all about punishment now. He's become his brother at this point, And he goes on a killing spree until the cops take him down.
1: Well, he also makes a car set on fire. And well, that's what I'm
0: saying. He blows a car up.
1: And he says, Bingo. Yes. Just like in Christmas Vacation. Uh-huh.
0: Bingo. Which actually came after this. Oh, really? This is 87. Isn't Christmas Vacation like 89?
1: I thought Christmas Vacation was mid-80s. Let me see. But no, that wouldn't make sense because vacation and European Vacation came out before it.
0: It is 89. There you go. Yeah.
1: So I don't know. Maybe bingo was like a joke that
0: people I, said back then. I never understood that in Christmas Vacation. I'm like, why did we stop the entire movie to give a close up of Eddie's face? And he goes bingo. Like, how is that a response to him sliding down the hill across the have Walmart been a parking joke lot back
1: in the '80s? I, I guess it must have been a thing.
0: I don't know. So if you know, tell us. Tweet at us at Pod Cemetery. I'd love to know. Bingo. Bingo. Ooh that's a bingo. Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo? You just say bingo. Bingo! How fun!
1: Oh, my God. So the cops show up. His laugh at the cops is insanely good. Uh Uh-huh. It is... It's so bad, it's insanely yep. good. <laughs> and he decides to point the gun at himself, and then people shout Don't do him, it, it's not worth it! Yeah, don't uh-huh. do it! Don't be a fool! And I I'm think like, that's what? their immediate
0: response, and they have no idea how to deal with that situation.
1: But there were no more bullets, and so we cut back to him in the doctor, in the doctor's office or whatever, in the mental at, hospital.
0: Yes, and the doctor is dead. He's just dead. He's killed off screen. By the time we come back from this talk about the rampage, finding out why Ricky has been arrested in the first place, the doctor's already dead.
1: Before we find out that the doctor is dead, like I was saying, he says, no more bullets. What can I say? I was young and stupid. But that's life, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's just...
0: Because it's all being recorded and he's putting it on the, the audio tape.
1: Exactly. And imagine, like... If you were to meet a homicidal maniac, they they do they have high egos. Like yeah. they, they feel. So this what way. he
0: did, what must have happened, is while he was telling his story, he got worked up over the rampage part, killed the doctor, and then continued telling the story.
1: So then, like I said, no idea where this guard went that was so against him earlier, but yeah. he escapes. It's Christmas Eve because, of course, it is.
0: Uh-huh. Why? Why people fucking do this shit? always, like, it's just like Halloween, why do anything on a big, big eventful day in a psychopathic killer's life?
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of dumb. But he finally goes to give that nun what for.
0: Mother Superior. It's about she's time. She's retired, but she still spends her time in her habit at her home. Yes. Which is weird.
1: <laughs> and she has, <laughs> she's in a wheelchair now. And Chris yeah. brings up an excellent point. When we first see her here, she's at the top of the stairs, right? She's on the second floor, guys. Ricky will eventually get her out of the chair, throw her down the stairs, and she happens to have a second wheelchair downstairs. It's a
0: very, very smart thing to do. That makes a lot sense. of people that have wheelchairs, they'll have multiple wheelchairs. There'll be some that they bring on trips with them when they get in the van or whatever, and one that they, that they wheel around uh, at home. Totally makes sense, especially when you need to traverse the stairs. But...
1: How does she get up and down the stairs?
0: There's no assistance for the stairs. She lives alone. There's no, There's nothing like in Gremlins where she rides the little chair up it. How does she climb those stairs?
1: Exactly. No idea. Maybe she has an elevator somewhere that we don't know <laughs> Just about. hidden
0: in the house? Yes. And On a nun's budget? <laughs>
1: She thinks she can handle him, which is a weird moment. She
0: says, "You're being very, very naughty. You
1: must be punished."
0: And he says, "Naughty! This!" <laughs> what a great comeback, Ricky!
1: <laughs> and her head just... Oh no! Never mind. That comes uh-huh. later, right? Does her I head think pop so. off here or later?
0: I, I don't think, I think they
1: walk up to her and her head falls off.
0: Yeah, we don't see her get... Oh, yeah, he comes downwards with his machete or axe. He has an axe, I think. Comes downwards vertically on her head. And then we see the other nun, the nun who tried to defend Billy in the first movie, come to the house of the police officer because they think that that's where he went. And when they show up, they see Mother Superior sitting at the table, and when she touches her shoulder, her head rolls off. Yes. Which would have been impossible at that angle, but whatever. <laughs> it's kind of a funny moment. Then he appears and says Boo. And then he gets shot. <laughs> that's like how the movie ends. Sort yes. Of. Like that's the end of the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wrote down boom. I I guess I thought he said boom?
0: maybe or or you wrote boo and it auto-corrected to boom i don't know i don't know i don't know
1: but yeah then he gets shot out the window
0: <laughs> so the original idea for this movie was to sort of recut it and add a couple new scenes and the point was is that the the first movie was just supposed to be the brother he's gone crazy And he's telling the story of his older brother from the original movie. And, oh, apparently the original movie is all just in Ricky's head or something like that. But the four screenwriters (laughs) ended up writing more content about Ricky's youth. But it wasn't enough to make a whole movie. So they just put the two things together and called it a new movie, called it a sequel. That's why when you get to the end of the movie, they list the entirety of the credits for the first film as well. That's why I thought maybe that's why there are so many writers on this movie. Nope. Four fucking writers for this movie, not the original.
1: That is sad.
0: It's crazy. So, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes, Kelsey?
1: I'm sure it's low. What is it, like
0: 22? 25. Out of eight reviews, no consensus statement, no Metacritic. No cinema score. Do you think that's overrated or underrated? Overrated. Really? Give me what you got.
1: I will give it a 20. Okay. Because it did make me laugh at least twice and very hard.
0: See, that's my feeling exactly. I recognize it is a terrible movie, but it made me laugh legitimately. And not just, oh, I saw the meme. Like, There are other things in this movie that made me laugh more. Yes. The fact that it's a meme almost diminished it for me.
1: Exactly. It definitely did for me. It made it not nearly as funny because I knew it was coming.
0: Uh huh. So I think I'm going to give this one a 30. Okay. So our average comes out to the Rotten Tomatoes score. It made me happy. And so it gets 30 points.
1: Didn't make me happy. <laughs> Made me laugh a couple times. The
0: fact that half of it is the first movie is absolutely insane.
1: Yes, it is.
0: And the flashbacks aren't even over by that point.
1: Yeah, it's outrageous.
0: Oh, we didn't mention he is dressed up like Santa Claus. He he mugs a, 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 oh, right. a Salvation One of Army his Santa. is a Salvation <laughs> Santa. I was right. I forgot. And, and so he's wearing a Santa outfit when he comes to visit Mother Superior. Oh, God. So that is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. A much shorter conversation because only half of it is actually new stuff.
1: Exactly.
0: All right, before we get into our next movie, Kelsey, horror trivia.
1: Which original Friday the 13th film did Jason get his hockey mask? Part Mm 3. I can finally ask that question.
0: Uh Uh-huh, because we finally watched Part 3. All right, Kelsey. On its initial release... Black Christmas's title was changed to what before being changed back to Black Christmas?
1: The original one? Yes. Fuck, I knew this too.
0: I think we've talked about it. Yeah, we've talked about it. I will be surprised if you get it, but I think there's a chance you might
1: going to be so mad because I knew this at one point, and I love the original Black Christmas, uh, which sucks that you asked me about a movie I really like. How do you Um, think I feel
0: about the orca? (laughs) Um, (sighs) I'll give you a hint. The reason I chose this as a question is because we just watched Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2.
1: I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it's a joke on Silent Night, Holy Night, um... But what did they do? Did they do Silent Night, Deadly
0: Night? So there's Silent Night, Deadly Night.
1: There's Silent, Silent Night, Bloody Night. Silent
0: Night, <laughs> Bloody Night. If you were to make a different title out of Silent Night, Holy Night, what would that title be if it was a horror movie?
1: Silent Night, Horror Night? Horrific Night?
0: <laughs> Not bad, but it is Silent Night, Evil Night.
1: Evil Night.
0: If you remember, we had the conversation about how this was around the time when there were a lot of black exploitation movies and the producers were worried that the name Black Christmas might give people the impression that it was a black exploitation film so they released it under the Night Silent Night Evil Night didn't do that hot they changed the name and re-released it and it did a lot better so maybe that's why even though it's absolutely not a remake of the original Black Christmas, this movie also went with the Black Christmas title, hoping to live off the cloud. It's Christmas time. There are sorority girls. How many Christmas horror movies have we watched? (laughs) That is the extent of it. There's (laughs) one, there is one other element that makes it kind of Black Christmas related, and that is that one of the characters' names is Jesse Bradford. And there is a Jessica Bradford in the original. So there's one character's name, it's a sorority at Christmas.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's about as close as it gets.
0: We're talking, of course, about Black Christmas from 2019, written by Sophia Tacall and April Wolf, directed by Sophia Tacall, starring Imogen Poots, Elise Shannon, and Lily Donahue. Sophia Tacall is also an actress. Uh, she appeared in the VHS movie. What is Black Christmas about then if it's not the original storyline?
1: It's about a group of sorority girls who are attacked around Christmas time. I mean that's that's the extent of it, guys, and it's
0: I was going to say is that what it's about? Or oh, is it really about smashing the patriarchy?
1: Yes. I mean, the message <laughs> here is loud and clear what it's trying to tell you because I get the feeling that she doesn't know a lot about subtlety.
0: No, this movie is not subtle at all, and that is its downfall. We'll talk about it in a second. It's
1: not that their message is not right. Their message is right, but sometimes the way that they present it is quite muddled.
0: Yes. You can get the movie for free on HBO Max and DirecTV with a subscription, You can buy it, you can't even rent it, but you can buy it for $14 on Microsoft, $15 on most everything else, and strangely $16 on DirecTV. Should people watch 2019's Black Christmas?
1: I mean, the answer, okay, if you're thinking of it just as a movie, then no. Do I think it has a good underlying, underlying, do I think it has a good message? Yes, I do. And I. I think that, like I said, sometimes it gets muddled.
0: This movie will not convince you of anything if you do not already believe in its message. I guess that's so. It's biggest downfall. So either you already believe in the message and it's hitting you over the head so fucking hard that it's not worth watching, or you don't believe in the message and you're gonna fucking hate it because it's certainly not gonna convince you of it.
1: I just don't wanna. I don't.
0: I this is my problem too. I put
1: down a movie exactly. that is making a point is, that I agree with. It is
0: a feminist movie made by women and that should be celebrated. But what they made was garbage.
1: It's not it's a good
0: It's terrible. Movie,
1: but I can't, it's hard for me to say that.
0: I know. I agree. Like, every one of my comments is basically... I mean, I get their point and I agree, but... Like, that's like every one of my comments. It's really... The word... The phrases I would use to describe it are... Ham-fisted and heavy-handed. That's what this movie is. It is not about the story... And that's its problem because it doesn't put a message within a story. So the story's like a parable, the characters and all the plot happening is just a stand in for the message, which makes me care less about what's going on in the movie because the writers didn't care about what's going on in the movie. And ironically, I'll talk about later. Ironically, It makes it harder for me to empathize with the characters who are representing a story that is true, that is real, that is honest, that is important, and that I have a lot of empathy for in real life. That's the irony. What you've managed to do is to make me care less about characters you put on screen going through an issue that I care a whole hell of a lot when people go through it in real life. How you accomplish that, <laughs> I do not know,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's guys, it's gonna be really hard for me to talk about this one, yeah, because there's just so many things like
0: and I content to, warning, like I if,
1: want to separate my feelings about this as just a film versus what it's trying to say, and it's gonna be very difficult, for me I to think. Do.
0: I think you can separate them and talk about both. That you can say that, oh, here's what I think about the message and the point it's trying to get across. But in terms of a film, (laughs) it's real bad. Yeah. Content warning, content warning, content warning. If you ever went through anything that is related to, like, rape and rape culture... And gaslighting of women and any of that, and that is a sort of like triggering topic for you, stay the fuck away. Mm -hmm. If that is a triggering topic for you. If you want to see people like rise above that and get symbolic revenge.
1: Symbolic?
0: Well, because everything in this movie is a symbol. That's all it it is. That's all it is. It's
1: not symbolic if it's on the
0: screen. I know. It's, guys... Guys, guys, there is a thing in the movie that is a stand-in for literal toxic masculinity, and it is a black sludge. I'm not kidding when I say how fucking heavy-handed the metaphors are in this movie.
1: Again, I don't know that they qualify as metaphors. (laughs)
0: Right. I see your point. You can take our advice or leave it. But when we get back, we will talk about 2019's Black Christmas.
1: There's someone in the house. Who would do something like this? We can make a list of all the men who want to kill us, or we can fight. (laughs) If not for yourself...
0: For your sisters, we have to go. Black Christmas in cinemas December twelfth. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Black Christmas twenty nineteen begin?
1: Um, with a quote. From the dude who started their made-up Hawthorne College. Calvin
0: Hawthorne, founder of Hawthorne College.
1: About how men can basically do whatever they fucking want to.
0: Man possesses powers so formidable that they can only be considered supernatural. With a proper education, men can wield these powers and go forth into the world.
1: And then, of course, we see... Fire and hear screaming, which turns into laughter at a gift exchange for sorority girls. Uh huh. Which, if you remember, the remake starts with a gift exchange for the sorority girls. We also get a, a an image of a glass unicorn head, which is which
0: never gets used.
1: No, but it's there. Yeah. As an homage to the original, which uh-huh. this really isn't much of a remake of. It
0: isn't. No, we've talked about that before. The jump.
1: So, one girl is leaving right away. She's off to home for Christmas break, which we all know in every one of these movies means she's going to die.
0: It's not just Black Christmas. Yes, this happens in Black Christmas, but, like, tons and tons of movies, especially if they take place at college, somebody is going home for the holidays or whatever and then never shows up, but nobody knows.
1: Right. So, this girl is walking... And she immediately notices that there is a man walking behind her. Mm-hmm. And she's visibly nervous and she like gets her keys ready. She's going to turn around. She's going to face him. But that person is not a threat. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm sure this is very real and relatable for a lot of women.
1: It is. It really is. I mean, men have no idea what it's like mm-hmm. to just be walking down the street and just to know that there's somebody behind you. And then the fear becomes, what is that person going to do?
0: Yeah. She turns around and goes, ah, and the guy's already crossing the street. Yes. Going into his house.
1: Now, I don't remember where the person is. She
0: turns around and the person was was right behind her.
1: Oh. So they
0: would have needed to have been in front of her this whole time.
1: Yeah. A lot of the things that happen in this movie are just impossible.
0: Because, okay, so she's going to be chased by this person. This person's going to disappear and then reappear. And then uh, they're going to knock on the door. Of a house nearby, just a random house, there's plenty of houses, just happens also, to knock on the door. she has door. a cell
1: phone. Why isn't yes. she calling 911? She does is, eventually, but yeah, not in enough time.
0: Not in enough, enough time. time. Yeah. But she she pounds on the door and the door opens and it's the person in the cloak again. it doesn't wrote, make any sense. Can they fucking teleport? Even if it's multiple people, the appearing and disappearing is nuts. And now it just happens to be the house that they're in? I hate to tell you that I think maybe, yes, they can teleport. Yes. Or at least go invisible.
1: Yes, because we will find out that they have...
0: This will go magical places.
1: We at least know for a fact that they have extra human strength. Yes. They will say that. They never actually say that they can teleport, but here's the thing. Once you introduce magic into the story... Oh,
0: it's totally magic.
1: It's Magic Man.
0: It's Magic Man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what movie is I that? I don't remember. Oh, God. The way that he ends up killing her. She's, like, flailing her arms around in the snow, so she made a fucking snow angel. That
0: was really on the nose.
1: It's not
0: good. Not in a way that's, like, it's like oh, oh, look, she made a snow angel. It's like, oh, look, she made a snow angel.
1: And it didn't look like it was done. Like, she... When she's, he, die,
0: she's being held down and she literally goes, like, like she flaps her arms in the snow like you're making a snow angel. Like, that's how you would fight back if somebody's on top of you.
1: The writer saw it in their mind, uh-huh. done a very specific way, uh-huh. and the director had no idea how to show that. The writer and the director are the
0: same person, Kelsey.
1: Then I don't know what's wrong here. There are two
0: writers and one of them is the director.
1: If I wrote that scene... I would know how it would need to be done to make it look at least plausible.
0: No, what happened was is they had that idea and they thought that that would be a really cool visual treat. And then they filmed it and they were already so attached to it because they fucking wrote it that they, could, they were blind to the fact that it actually did not look good on film. This is the downfall of people who write and direct their own fucking movies. Plenty of people get it done very successfully. It's not impossible, but... So many times it's so incredibly obvious when they can't kill their own darlings because they're both the writer and the director.
1: Then we get to meet the other sorority sisters, and it's really unimportant. So we can kind of skip all this. But it's relatable. All you're getting out of it is that these women care about each other and that they're going to help one another out.
0: It's a little real. Like, the social interactions in this movie, I feel like that's something that the movie really, like pegs like it hits it on the mark
1: yes they feel real but none of it matters yes none of these relationships
0: matter it's so they're, they're sisters
1: yeah they're you know? sisters and they support each other that's uh-huh. that's what you're getting out of it
0: i need a diva cup you gotta can i use your diva cup <laughs> i had never even heard of it, what that before it is a reusable menstrual cup that you well i i don't know this one looked disposable <laughs> But the idea is you're supposed to empty it out and wash it and wash it and use it again. I mean, I've, if if you're just going to throw it away, what the fuck is the point? Why not use anything else?
1: Well, I know. Why
0: that, collect it like that? Well,
1: some people use their blood for various things. Oh, but she's not. Yeah, I didn't get the impression that she was some hippie
0: using it for her art. <laughs> no, it, it felt like it was that, that sort of thing that's supposed to be, you know, empowering women. I guess. Somehow, by collecting instead of absorbing your menstrual blood. I don't know.
1: We also get an indication that something bad happened to our main girl, who is played by Imogen Poots.
0: Right? She's pretty good for most of the movie.
1: She's fine. Yeah? But so we learn that something happened to her because now she doesn't wear sexy clothes anymore. Uh Uh-huh. Then we get to see her in class with fucking Carrie Elvis as her teacher for some reason yeah I don't know what he's doing in this
0: movie who knows so Uh, he can have that sort of pompous British accent
1: I guess uh, but so he's like reading this very sexist piece
0: misogynistic and he shocks
1: them all of
0: women in the world and yeah
1: but shocks them all by telling them that a woman wrote it
0: Uh huh. and from this defensive head magic has come the spectacular glory of male civilization which has lifted woman with it. The very language and logic modern woman uses to assail patriarchal culture were the invention of men. Now, who here can tell me what they think this writer is trying to suggest? Mr.
1: Um I think that he's saying that women think with their instincts and men think with their brains. And that women live in men's worlds, whether they like it or not. You said he. What makes you think the author is a man? It may surprise you to know
0: that the writer is one Dr. Camille. Paglia. But I just wanted to show you that there is no way of writing that is inherently male or female. They could have used that as a great opportunity to be like, you know, it's not just men that hold up the patriarchy. You well, know, Well, they it's do
1: say that a couple like, of like times. Like women in this are movie. complicit
0: in this as well. Well, yeah, th- we get, we a, we get a whole character. We do get a whole character. You're right. You're absolutely right. But like this moment is just used by the villain and it's never responded to by the movie ever. Which is weird.
1: I think having Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Did I reveal that Carrie L. West is a villain?
1: I think that having that <laughs> character does it for you. She represents that.
0: Yeah. But it's just weird that there's this concept that they just kind of leave dangling. That's one of the things this movie does is it introduces arguments and then it places them in weird positions where it doesn't ever respond to the actual merits of the argument. They just put them in characters' mouths and you're supposed to come to a conclusion based on who says it. But like, sometimes there are reasonable arguments to make that you want to hear the movie respond to and it just fucking doesn't.
1: Yeah, I think I know what scene you're talking about. We'll talk we'll get there. But so we find out that her best friend, one of her sorority sisters, has started a petition to get him to change his curriculum curriculum yeah. because it's it,
0: nothing but white men. Yes straight white men.
1: Yes. And they're talking about, you know, the the age-old argument of so because we want to include other people, does that mean that we don't do what we deemed the classics in the in the past? And the the solution is so simple. You just add. Yeah. You don't take away. You don't have to take away. Mm-hmm. You can just add. Like I it it's a weird argument to make. Well, what about the classics? Well, we can still have the classics. Yeah, but the
0: argument that the movie uses is, yeah, and who decides what the classics are? Right. A bunch of straight white men.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and like, I'm not going to say that all the things that he's teaching are not good, but I am. Uh, but I agree with her that we should have yeah. other perspectives, but mix them together. You're not going to get anywhere by taking one away. Uh huh. You're only going to stop progress if you take one away. Anyway, so now he's holding that against all the sorority girls from that sorority basically. Yeah. Oh, and we also find out here that because of her friend, they took the bust down of the dude who started the Hawthorne College because he was also a sexist person. But I'm kind of like
0: Oh, well, he's racist and sexist and Well, yeah.
1: but if he's so racist and sexist, why did you go to that college?
0: Because it's a good college and they shouldn't be forced to go somewhere else just because the person who founded it, it was a dickhead.
1: Okay. All right. We then get to meet, what is his name?
0: Caleb Eberhardt, who plays Landon. That name sounds really familiar. Have we seen him any anything?
1: I had never seen him before.
0: He was in The Post. Yeah, no, this is like his first real big named character in a movie, it looks like.
1: But so Landon is just immediately into her and she is immediately into him. But again, she has... Issues, so she's not gonna jump on that right away.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I was under the impression that he was gonna do nice guy syndrome, but he doesn't.
0: Nope. It, movie doesn't do that. I no. mean it kind of it kind of addresses how, you know, the actual good guys out there can be co-opted by the norms of male society. Like it does try to address that through its magical. But that's plot. the
1: problem, is that you made it magical, uh-huh. and so now no one's responsible for their actions. Except yeah, for the but, people who knew what they were getting themselves but into. But
0: I I would say it makes it addresses the fact that sometimes you feel like guys that you would otherwise think are good dudes. Uh like what are you being hypnotized by this cult? Like, why are you acting like this? And why do you why are you saying these things? You're a good guy. It's
1: because they don't know how to be against well, sometimes, what masculinity is supposed exactly, to be. Exactly.
0: The status quo can be hypnotizing. And but the movie it doesn't do anything to reinforce that concept. It hypnotizes him at one point in this movie and then he's just all of a sudden not hypnotized anymore and they never address it.
1: This is also when we will find out. And how they meet him, I don't even fucking remember. He's a customer
0: at the, at the coffee shop she works at.
1: Right. And during this time, we will find out that she was raped by a guy to frat.
0: Who had since graduated.
1: Yes. And when she... What we'll find out later is when she went to the cops... They didn't believe her, Mm -hmm. which is a totally believable story.
0: Absolutely. This is very much a stand-in for the Brock Turner case, but it is also representative of similar cases that happen all the time throughout the country and throughout other countries. Like, it's it's a huge epidemic of the, you know, sort of college rape crisis. We saw it when we saw Happy Death Day. We commented that was the part of the movie that we liked the least in a movie that we otherwise really enjoyed is when the dude comes in, sees a guy on top of a girl who is struggling and asking for help. And all he does is, oh, sorry. And he leaves Mm. and he doesn't do anything to stop it. Like, so this is it's a very real thing that that movies comment on. It makes sense that this is in this movie.
1: But so, I mean, all of this, like, we've been getting a little bit of understanding that they're all in anticipation of some sort of performance that they're going to put on. And they're very hush-hush about what this performance is. And for a while, you're very confused as to why they would do a sexy dance number in front of the frat guys. And, like, that's kind of weighing on you for a while until you finally see it and see what the plan is. And looking back on it now, I feel stupid for th- for wondering about it. But they just give you no indication of what it's going to be like until it
0: happens. Yeah. And there's this moment where, okay, so one of their friends almost gets raped until Imogen Poots walks in.
1: And that makes no sense when you find out what's happening with that character later.
0: Yeah. Um, it was hard for me to keep track of the characters, to be honest.
1: Well, this is the, the one okay. that she saves. Uh-huh. Is the one who's their downfall. So this scene makes no sense at the end of the film.
0: Well, I think it does because you're also like you can consider these women who uphold the patriarchy to to also, you know, yes, they're villains, but they're also victims at the same time. And so I think it just reinforces that concept. But anyway, and uh, but she's so drunk that she needs to go home. So now Imogen Poots has to stand in for her. Riley is her name. Uh, has to stand in for her in this musical number, and at first she freezes on stage when she sees her rapist in the audience.
1: Well, hold on. There's a couple things that happen before they get on stage that we need to talk about. I just want to say, before we get to that part, she's looking for her friend who is drunk, and what does she see?
0: Remember? Oh, yeah, she just opens a random door, and there's a fucking cult ceremony going on. (laughs) Yes. Why they wouldn't lock the door, why it would be going on in the middle of a party that they're hosting.
1: I know, it doesn't make any sense.
0: but Why so- this frat would allow this sorority to go on stage at their party in the fucking first place when everyone knows what their priorities are. Like, what the... F- like none of that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. But so what she sees is they've got the bust. That they took down, uh-huh. which should already anger her, but it uh-huh. doesn't. They see that it's, th- they are telling the, the pledges, the founder compels you and they're putting some sort of black shit on them. They
0: put like a little cross on their forehead or whatever, yeah. <laughs> but when and she touches it,
1: when she touches it, nothing happens to her because it only affects men.
0: Yeah, well, it gets on her hands because she touches the doorknob or whatever.
1: Okay, so now tell us what happens on stage. So
0: she freezes on stage, like I said, because she sees her rapist in the audience, and he's smiling at her like a jackass, and you just want to punch him in the face. Everyone's, like, trying to push her into, into like, come on, get on with this performance, we've started. It's very mean girls. Yes. Where they're dressed in, like, these sexy Mrs. Claus outfits. Yes. And putting on a four-person performance. Yes. It's supposed to apparently be a direct reference to Mean Girls. Obviously. S- yeah. Somebody said that it's an indictment of Mean Girls sort of girl-on-girl crime. I don't... I, I think people... I'll get into this later, but I think people misunderstand Sophia Tical's, uh point of view. In all these interviews, she brings up Black Christmas and its misogyny, and... And Mean Girls, and it's girl-on-girl crime, in quotes, that's what she calls it, and they think that she doesn't like those movies for those reasons, I don't think that's the case. I think, like I said before, she she sees the villain as misogyny in Black Christmas, and that Black Christmas is actually anti-misogyny, so no, she doesn't dislike it. And Mean Girls is anti-girl-on-girl crime, but she's talking about the girl-on-girl crime we see in Mean Girls. And so, like, it's not that she doesn't like them, it's not an indictment of Mean Girls, I think it's just a reference to it. But anyway, she starts to sing, and then she's singing about things that are like super serious, and you think that, oh my god, she's getting up the courage to tell off all these horrible men, including a rapist, and she's doing it live on stage and, and you're she's getting,
1: ad-libbing. And you're getting irritated because you're like, there's no way she could come up with this on the fucking spot. And but then she's you not. realize it's scripted
0: that way. Up in the brat, house me, and you. And you know what I'm there to do? We're drinking and kissing, what comes next? You and I have SCX. Oh, 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 oh. I didn't know. Ho, oh,
1: oh, ho, oh. ho, I didn't know. Yes, up in the frat house, one true fact. And that is that I got attacked. Up in the frat house, shit went down. And I'm telling everyone in town, I didn't leave you on for goodness sake. I couldn't have, it cause I wasn't awake. Ho, 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 I didn't know. Ho, 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 I didn't know. Yes, up in the frat house, click, click, click. What you guys do in here is sick.
0: Protecting
1: you. No, he said, she said, what was to do. Don't say that this was my fault Cause what you did is called assault Ho ho ho, I didn't know Ho ho ho, I didn't know Yes, up in the frat house, click 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 you put me up, Ruby, and then you're done. This was all a plan, except that it wasn't supposed to be Imogen Poots up on stage. Yeah, uh-huh. It was supposed to be the other chick, which again doesn't make any fucking sense.
0: Well, I guess the qu maybe she was converted during this pro like in the two or three days this takes place in. Who knows?
1: No, it couldn't be because yeah. they had already had all the oh, shit yeah. from the uh-huh. girls.
0: That's right, you're right.
1: I don't know. I don't understand it. And then we get a really just on the nose. Maybe that'll teach him not to rape girls. Maybe that'll teach Brian Hudley not to rape another girl. And you're just like,
0: wow, movie. Yeah, why would you ever think that? Wow. Well, I mean, it's supposed to, this is plot important a little bit, because that gets on tape, and then that that video gets posted, and so it's like, oh my god, I can't believe you posted that. I was not ready to talk about this, and it causes an argument later, plot-wise. But, yeah, it's like, why on earth would you think that, oh, no, look, we sang a song on stage, we've smashed the patriarchy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, ridiculous. Like, good for you for
0: doing that, but, like, come on.
1: It's a ridiculous, like, we sang a song, so now we've taught him. No, A you lesson, didn't, yeah. You <laughs> didn't teach him fucking anything. Also, I love that, I mean, I, I get that in the moment she says his name, so it's specifically calling him out. Yeah. But it's like anybody who saw that knew what it was about. Yeah. What do you... Ugh. Anyway, my next notes are a little muddled. I think we hear, like, the we hear the frat guys saying, like, the time is near or something. They tell them that. And they, the girls start to get a little bit nervous because Imogen Poots, like, notices... That things are different around the house or something. And she's like, I think that they're, they've been in our house. I think that they
0: are... Well, yeah, things are starting to go missing.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I think they're planning a prank and I think we need to be worried about it. Also, earlier in the film, somebody mentioned that the Santa that goes off whenever you walk by it went off at like 4 a.m., uh-huh. which nobody was worried about, which you definitely should be fucking worried about, but they do have a cat. And the cat yeah. will- now, I probably
0: lead. would have been like, What's going on? And then not seen anybody and then go back to bed.
1: And the cat will lead to a similar death to the first film. So instead of having their yes. den mother looking for the cat,
0: it's a sorority sister looking for the cat. The cat's name is also very similar.
1: It's Claudette instead of Claude. Claude, yeah. Uh-huh. Because it needs to be a female. Uh huh.
0: The cat has to be a girl too. Yes. Otherwise the movie can't make its point.
1: Right. <laughs> but so she's looking for Claudette. So the cat will lead to a scene that is very close to the original film. So uh, unlike it being the den mother who was searching for Claude in the Mm. first film, this time it's a sorority girl searching for Claudette in a scene taken straight out of Exorcist 3, which is funny because I've never even seen Exorcist 3. This dude walks out. Now, he doesn't have shears. He does have Christmas lights, which makes it black Christmas themed, I suppose. Uh-huh. But it looks like it's taken straight out of Exorcist 3, where he just walks out with his arms open. Yeah, uh-huh. And, of course, they're all wearing these hooded robes. Yes. So that adds to it as well. But it's around this time that Imogen becomes aware that some of her friends are not making it home. She's now heard from two separate people. Yeah, she hears
0: from the mom of Lindsay, the first woman killed, that she never made it home. And then she can't find this other girl, whatever her yeah, name is. Yeah,
1: somebody never made the train or something. Yeah,
0: the girl who wanted to borrow the Diva Cup. She Which was, we
1: cannot remember her name yes, for some reason. Yes, she was going to
0: get on a train or something like that. And yeah, she never shows up too. And we will see her body in the balcony later of yes. the sorority house.
1: Mm-hmm. So every year, apparently, they have what's known as their Orphan's Dinner, which is hilarious because this would be the fourth year in a row that they've done it because they're supposed to be seniors, and this is the first time that her friend was ever like, should we not call it the Orphan's Dinner because you're an orphan?
0: Yeah, also that's weird. That's like Chekhov's orphan.
1: Yeah, not They introduced the, the story. fact that she's an
0: orphan and it has nothing to do with the story at yeah. all and it doesn't provide her any additional depth or anything.
1: Nope. But so they went and got their tree and they went and got ham and they're talking about how they don't know what to do for ham, do we just stick it in the oven? And I'm like, dude.
0: Does nobody have the internet?
1: Put something on it. Yeah. Put a glaze, uh-huh. put something. I mean, yeah, look it
0: up. You can heat up meat. Sure. Look it up. (laughs) These women, I'm sure in real life would be much more capable of this. If you're making an entire roast ham, one of them would have the idea to look it up. And now you just have your strong female characters looking like relatable idiots.
1: We also haven't been talking about the fact that these girls all, have all been getting these weird DMs.
0: And they never shared that that's happening until later on when Riley nope, brings it up.
1: Not until way later, and then they're suddenly like, oh, I got those too. <laughs> cool. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But also, I love that they call them DMs. There's no indication of what app they're using, uh what social media they're using. They just call them DMs. And they even make a joke about it later.
0: How the older security guard doesn't know what a DM is.
1: And it's like, well, because you haven't explained where they're coming from. (laughs) You don't just get DMs to your phone. That's called a text message. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. And they treat him like he's an idiot for not knowing what a DM is. And I'm just sitting here like... What DMs? Yeah. What app are you fucking using that you don't know who this person is? Because if it was like a blocked phone number, that would be one thing. But you're getting it from, a a, a, they call it a profile. They don't tell you where the profile's
0: coming from. Because of course they don't. They don't have to make up a whole thing. But you
1: could do all kinds of research. Like anybody who has ever stalked anybody on the internet, hi, I have. It's a very easy thing to do to figure out who's talking to you. But I digress.
0: I digress. Right. Anyway. The profile is of Hawthor- Calvin Hawthorne, the founder.
1: So she's really freaking out about that. And she just happens to run into Landon again. So now, of course, she's worried that Landon is the one who's sending her the uh-huh. DMs. And it's actually kind of a very cute little moment.
0: Are you the one that's DMing me? What? No. I mean, unless you want me to. <laughs> exactly.
1: Like, I can DM you if you want me to. It's, it's, it, it, it's like... The only cute moment in the entire film. But it goes nowhere, so she just keeps walking. And what is her plan? Who is she going to go to to talk to about this?
0: She talks to campus security.
1: I get that she doesn't trust the cops. I get it. Why would a security guard care more?
0: Campus security has a lot more authority than just standard security guards, though. Do they? Yeah. I'm saying they're more halfway (laughs) between a cop and a security guard. They enforce the regulations of the campus. It's not just somebody who's hired through a third party company or whatever, especially at major campuses, large campuses that people live on. I, I, I get why. If she went to the cops, the cops would probably tell her to go to campus security.
1: The whole conversation is just upsetting, and it's it's very similar to the conversation that we get in the first film, where she first goes to the cops, and the cops don't le- listen to her believe her. So I understand that they're making that parallel, but it's just frustrating because, from my perspective, campus security would be the last person I would go to, but that's probably because I don't trust people who work on college grounds, because when I went to the college doctor... Uh Uh-huh. I was told that I was being a whiny little bitch about having a little cold.
0: Turns out you had the whooping cough. And could have died. died. (laughs) And could
1: have started an epidemic. Uh Uh-huh. So, no, I don't trust people that work on college campuses. Also, they
0: work for the college so you know that they have the college's best interests at heart. Yes. And you have to calculate that into every interaction you have with them. Yes. Yeah. I, don't,
1: I don't trust people that work on college campuses. <laughs> they, they think that all your problems are just you being a whiny bitch. Uh-huh. So, no, I would yep. not trust people on a college campus. As she's walking away from there. Oh, no, I think she stops by the frat house. And while there, that professor shows up and she doesn't question why he's at a frat house. Well, he's
0: probably their sponsor on campus or whatever. Maybe.
1: But he like drops a bunch of shit. And is perfectly fine with her picking it up, because of course she's supposed to be a chauvinist pig. Yeah. But of course, when he sees that she's reading the documents, uh-huh. he yanks them out of her hand.
0: And and it's like names isn't it doesn't she see like her sorority sister yes, names or she, something
1: but she doesn't question it uh-huh. she doesn't go any further
0: into it she's just like that's weird she brings it up to somebody i think at some point in the movie
1: but so like he basically tells her you know i saw that video that's how she finds out that the video got posted and she's like and he says you know that could really be defamatory towards people and it feels it's very much Like you said, the Brock Turner thing. Uh You know, you could ruin this person's life. It's
0: like, oh, yeah, thanks. I'm glad you're more concerned about the perpetrator than you are the victim. Yes. But that's when she realizes that the video has been posted. She takes it back to the sorority house and yells at Chris.
1: Shut up, Chris.
0: (laughs) Shut up, Chris.
1: Shut up, Chris. Just shut up.
0: About how, did you see the end of it? It keeps recording. And then that's when they have the line where that'll teach him to think he can get away with raping somebody or whatever that the line is. And they get in this whole big old argument about how, listen, you went through something that's absolutely terrible and you shut down and that's understandable and that's reasonable, but it's time to stand up for yourself and yada, yada, yada. And then, so the movie has this conversation, which I think is an important one about like, Yes, it would be good if people, like, stood up and took a stand, but that's not appropriate for everybody. Different people are affected by trauma in different ways. And who are you to say when it's time for somebody else to get over it? Like, that's kind of bullshit. And so there's this, a fantastic line, a fantastic line, which I think is very, very ironic because this movie falls prey to this. Chris se- talks about inspiring people to take action And Riley, Imogen Poots, our main character, says, we're not inspiring anybody, we're pissing people off.
1: I thought the point of calling out frat boy rape culture was to inspire women.
0: We're not inspiring people, we're pissing people off. It's not exactly the same thing, but the movie, it's like all the shit that you're putting in this movie isn't convincing anybody of anything. You're just going to annoy the people that already disagree with you, and you're making a bad movie for the people that already agree with you.
1: Right, but at the end, they make the argument of, I should have been fighting the whole time. You were right. You're right. And so the point that they're making is, it doesn't matter how many people you piss off, you need to get the truth out
0: there. And that's important, but the fact that it's trying to say that if you are hurt by something and you don't feel comfortable standing up and speaking out, that you're wrong. What
1: I think it harkens back to, and as much as this sucks, as much as this sucks... It harkens back to kind of like, think of PETA. Yeah. When they throw red paint on people wearing fur, it doesn't have the effect that you would like it to have. And while I think you're making a good point, and while I think that we, sh- our voices should be heard, and you are right in the fact that nobody's going to listen if you just sit there and talk, I understand that point too, you're also going to only make people angry by splashing paint on them. And so the question is, what do you do? And the answer is, there is no correct answer so i think that ultimately their point is supposed to be it doesn't matter how many people we piss off we need to get this point out there which i agree with sure except that they of course had to have this screaming match when their friend is being murdered and because they're having this conversation they don't hear that their friend is being murdered and i'm just like you know what director you want to make a fucking point? How about you don't make it when it means that the girls, because they're yelling at each other, are not able to help their friend?
0: Well, the point is we shouldn't be infighting when we could be protecting other people.
1: No. The point is is that they're <laughs> making a movie and they're trying to make a message and they have yeah. no idea how to do both at the same I, time.
0: I 100% agree with you there. 100%. This is also the moment where Marty's boyfriend, so there is a Marty...
1: Yeah, we haven't been talking about the boyfriend and we we need to because he... He is he,
0: there 100% of the time.
1: He is having... He's going to have an important moment here, so we need to talk about him. So he
0: looks like he's in pain at some point during this argument.
1: Actually, throughout the movie, he's yeah. been having headaches. They've yeah. been talking about it throughout the film. But
0: he's, you know, he's that one guy friend in the group of girls where He's one the of boyfriend. the girls that's what i'm saying one of the girls has a boyfriend and the boyfriend's just always there with his girlfriend and all of her friends and everyone knows a scenario like this
1: yes and it's cute because he considers them all like yeah they're his friends they, too they are like his sisters yeah. so like there's a point in the movie where he gets really upset and tries to defend them it goes to shit but right it's a cute moment and we all have had a friend who have had a boyfriend who was actually good and kind uh-huh. and cared about women. And that was really nice to have them around all the time.
0: And but I he... feel like
1: my husband is that person. <laughs> Although my husband doesn't like to hang out with my
0: friends. There are a lot of your friends. I really like to hang out with, and I'm not going to go any more specific than that. <laughs> so anyway, he finally just like snaps and he's like, God damn it. And he like yells at Chris and, and he, he drops the line Not every man. And she's like, did you just not all men me? Yes. And this is part of the infuriating part. This is what what I was talking about earlier when I said that Sophia Tical in an interview on, I think, Huffington Post talked about how there are moments where the boyfriend makes reasonable points in the argument, but the movie just literally, in the plot here, kicks him out of the house.
1: Because the point that they are trying to make is that men... Sounds so shitty when you say it out loud. But is he right? Yeah. Should he be making that point right now? No. It's the same thing with All Lives Matter. Yes. Is it true? Yeah. Is it a point you should be making right now? No. Right. So let it fucking go, dude.
0: 100%. 100%. But Chris, I, I like, it's weird. It's really weird that Chris is held up as this, like... To our main character, Riley, as the person who never does anything wrong. Even when you think she does something wrong in the movie, it justifies it in the end. Everything that Chris does and says and thinks is absolutely true and right. And it doesn't matter if you get pissed off by it. She's always the bastion of truth. And it's really, really frustrating. Especially when you have, like, I, I think what the point of the movie is... The point the movie is trying and failing to make right here with this boyfriend character, and it especially fails later, I'm just going to spoil it when I get to that point, Uh, is that are you pushing away people who would otherwise be allies? And I'm not saying pushing them away by saying the truth. If they can't handle the truth, then they're not allies in the first place. 100%. And if they make it about them and instead about what you're going through, they're not allies in the first place. That said if all of your conversation and all of your thoughts and all of your rhetoric is about how such a terrible person that they are like at some point they're going to get pissed. And like, how do you reconcile that? Is that the primary concern? No, but does that mean you should just disregard it? Absolutely not. And the movie does just that. It just disregards it. As a matter of fact, he comes back later and apologizes Because he's been suffering from these headaches lately. We find out later that that's the influence of Calvin, what's his face? The ghost of the founder, Calvin Hawthorne. Mm -hmm. The ghost of the founder who's been resurrected when we said it was magic. It's magic. Putting an influence on all the men on campus. And so... Turn into their real alpha selves. Exactly. So now they're saying that even though Sophia Tical says that some of the points he makes are reasonable... She puts in the movie that he gets shouted down. He apologizes for those points later. And they are the influence of the evil villain. Like, okay, that's how you treat points that you think are reasonable? But again,
1: you're not looking at it from the right perspective. You're not thinking about it, like I said, from the all lives matter. I know,
0: I 100% agree with that perspective. You're not
1: thinking of it from the perspective of not all cops are bastards. They're not. But the ones who do bastard things are the ones who are... Ruining for the others, and that's what we need to be focusing on right now.
0: Right. I absolutely agree. But that doesn't mean that the points don't have merit. Whether we should deal with them right now is a completely different issue. What the movie does is it undermines those points and says that they are the points of view of villains. It straight up says that.
1: Because it's trying to say that you shouldn't be thinking that way.
0: But the movie doesn't say that. It does not say, it says that, did you just all mend me right now? And it makes you kind of like, did you just completely disregard the argument? But if she was a real care, if she was a real person, that is what her response would be. Yes. That's the way that person but would think. But that's the person that is held up as this all seeing light and honesty and truth. And you should believe everything because that she says. Because if there aren't
1: people like that, then there will always be the women that say, you're right, not all men. And then we'll shut the fuck up.
0: Then the movie should have talked about that. Yes. But it doesn't. What I'm saying I is, get done. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that exactly the same thing you're saying is that the movie has a lot of great points that I agree with, and it just fails to juggle that and making a compelling movie at the same time. Yes, and I think it was trying to make a compelling movie here, which got in the way of the points it's trying to make.
1: Maybe. Anyway, when the boyfriend is pushed out, that's when the frat bro- brothers kind of infiltrate. One as a crossbow, just like they did in your Next. Uh-huh. Though it's not used to the same effect. I mean, they do... Do they get anyone with the crossbow? Does anyone get hit with it?
0: I feel like somebody does.
1: The boyfriend! Oh, yeah. But aside from the boyfriend...
0: When he comes back to apologize, he gets shot.
1: I know they shoot it a couple times, but they're not good at it, yeah. and they miss people. Yeah. And the women immediately become just total badasses, and they come up with this total, like, serious plan. And I was like, I'm okay with that. Okay,
0: yeah. I'm okay with that. Good for them. That's her point, is that she's tired of looking at horror movies and seeing even the final girl trope. Where it's like, yeah, the girl is the final, is the one to take down the evil villain. Yeah, but the way she's presented throughout the entire movie and even in the pursuit of her is as this weak and floundering individual who has to kind of get over that. Why can't they just be strong? Why can't we have a female Rambo? despite all the political implications of Rambo.
1: So, yeah, Jesse comes back to apologize but is promptly killed. Yeah. But he does have a great moment where he's like, "My girls, I'm going to take care of my girls." Which
0: is the what the movie's saying this is what men should be acting like. This is how an ally acts.
1: And then he's promptly killed. Yes. Immediately after that line. Uh-huh. So, okay.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> so I shouldn't act that way because I'll get hurt? <laughs> Oh. That you could also make arguments that, no, you shouldn't, you don't need to protect me. I'm da-da-da-da. Is that what the movie's saying? Maybe.
1: At one point, I think Imogen Poots gets, like, knocked to the ground or something, but she grabs onto one of the killers to stop him from going after one of her sorority sisters. Uh-huh. And I wrote down, I was so mad. I was like, she grabbed him, but that's all? Like, she uh-huh. didn't bite him, she didn't punch him in the dick, like, nothing? Like, mm-hmm. just, let me just grab your feet he, like, kicks her away. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, I would bite. Immediately yeah. bite. Human bites are, like, super painful.
0: Somewhere in here, and you can tell me if you have this written down this way, somewhere in here we see the campus security guy.
1: Yes. He is coming, and you're thinking, I don't know what's going to happen to this dude, but you're thinking at least they've got somebody coming to their aid.
0: And then he opens the door to a place and he sees a bunch of women kicking the ass. One woman is, is sitting over a guy in a hood and, and kills him right in front of the, the campus security guy. Probably one of the best moments of the film. Yeah, and you realize that this is happening at other sororities throughout the campus. And this particular one, there's like five or six different women that just rocked these dudes.
1: Yes, but one very quickly jumps up and kills the security guard.
0: Yes, he, the security guard dies here.
1: This is also where we get to see where they live. Did you see the address?
0: Oh, yes. It's it's 1974 Elm Street or something like that. Yeah. So it has a reference to 74, which is when the first Black Christmas came out. And then Elm, which is obviously Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: Yes. But this is around the time when they start to recognize that they're not bleeding when yeah. they kill them. All this black shit is coming out of
0: them. I I wrote, you're introducing magic into the reality of a film, a reality that is otherwise very natural, just so you can, what, get a PG-13 rating and insert a bad metaphor for toxic masculinity? Yes. Okay.
1: (laughs) And it makes an excuse for why they're so strong, even though, I mean, like, I don't want to be a dick, but, like, they're against women.
0: What do you want? (laughs) Well, it also explains how they, instead of just dudes propping up old systems that were instituted by people a long time ago who are completely irrelevant. Now this is all happening to them now because this man was brought back to life. So like, how does that support your metaphor? How does that support reality now? Because we don't have a bunch of old, are you saying that these old men are being brought back to life by these old institutions, but then you're giving power to the past and not power to the people who are here or, Right now, supporting that status quo, they're the villains.
1: Yep, agreed.
0: But no, they made the person in the past the villains. Well,
1: they're trying to make it clear that, like, men have been told from day one.
0: And they try to do that. But at the same time,
1: then you should be trying to find a way to help men not be toxic. But none of this movie does that. That's one of, for me, that's one of the biggest drawbacks is that there is not a strong male character who wants to help and defend women.
0: Yeah, so Nate already died. That's the boyfriend, not Jesse. Jesse is one of the girls. Right. Um Jesse is Nate's girlfriend.
1: Oh, okay. Jessie's no, Marty dead.
0: Marty is Nate's girlfriend. Marty's so who is Jesse?
1: I don't know. She's uh, Jesse's yeah. dead too.
0: it uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> the only two women from the sorority that end up surviving as that we know of at this point are Riley and Chris. Yes. But anyway, yeah, so we have Nate who dies. Uh, defending them and then we have Landon who ends up getting hypnotized by them
1: yeah so there's no good male characters and that's kind of the biggest failing here I,
0: I, the movie saying that you don't you don't need men
1: I understand that I guess I totally am for that you don't need a man I co- completely agree but you didn't need a male to help them you could have just had like a strong male that at least was like a friend or something
0: mm-hmm. but whatever I think that's supposed to be Landon but then they muddied it up by having him... Yeah. You know, you could have more than just those two dudes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is pretty great, though. Imogen Poots' friend... What's her name? Chris. Chris, I think, is the one who kills one of them with a plastic bag, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. One of them does. Does the plastic bag just like the original. This is what... Like, it's not a remake, but there are tons of little references to the original like this.
1: Yes. They have a keys moment, although they don't say the keys, uh-huh. but they're looking for them. They end up finding them.
0: They drive away.
1: She starts, Imogen Poot starts telling her, like, this long theory about this magical bust. And I'm like, what have you seen that's made you understand that it's a magical bust? Because we've been given hints throughout the film, you saw one moment with, with the black, black goop,
0: shit. yeah, uh-huh. but and that's now it. these guys are bleeding black goop. I guess so. She's like, "Oh, and that ble- black goop she saw came from the bus." I guess so she's putting no, no. You're right. <laughs> We're both right here. She is correct. <laughs> she is putting it together with the clues that she has. But imagine saying this to another person out loud, <laughs> and then being upset that they're not on your side. <laughs> you're not gonna follow my crazy magic plan. <laughs> You told me to stand up and do something, and I'm trying to do something.
1: So Imogen wants to go back and fight against this fraternity, and the other chick is like, uh, we need to go to the police." And Imogen's like, "They'll never believe us." And I'm like, "Wait, but you have bodies this time. Yes, uh-huh. This is different."
0: <laughs> so anyway, she gets out of the car, and they they go their separate ways. It's like, oh, this is the fracturing of the sisterhood. Because they couldn't stay together, they're not as strong. And so Imogen goes to the frat house, and Chris tries to go tell the police or something. But
1: for some reason, she stops at the other sorority.
0: She sees the women. The women stop. there The security cop car is there. There's some commotion. And the women come out go, let us in, let us in, let us in. And she lets them into her car. And then that's the last we're going to see of Chris for a while.
1: Well, but there's like a dude that follows them. And I was really mad that she didn't reverse and just hit him didn't she? I don't think she did I wrote why not reverse Mm, Yeah, but they just drive away and and that's when I wrote good lord this acting so the acting must have been really bad in that moment Uh or uh, oh no it's between the fight between Imogen and her friend because Imogen's like I thought you were a fighter I need you to help me I need you to create a distraction so that I can sneak into the room where they were holding the ceremony and get to the bust because that is where the power is coming from Excuse me, what? A magical bust? No, we're going to the cops. What are we going to tell them? I would like to remind you that we just killed three people who, possessed or not, are lying dead in our house right now. It was self-defense. Well, you want to count on the cops believing that? They didn't believe me when I told them what Brian had done to me. So what makes you think that they're going to believe us now? You don't even believe me. I thought that you were a
0: fighter. Oh God, you're right. That, <laughs> that's that's the script's part. This is what I'm saying. I think, I think that Riley Imogen Poots is good. I think she can only work with what she's been given. And I thought you were a fighter. Come on.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Anyway. So we see Riley go back to the fraternity.
1: And Landon is there again for uh-huh. some reason. She just always runs into Landon. I don't know what he's doing. He's not supposed to be stalking her. That I can tell you. Yeah. But he just always happens to be wherever she's going.
0: Well, he's there. He's getting the cross thing on his. He's being... Not yet. Initiated, isn't Not
1: he? yet. Oh, when okay. he first gets there, you have no idea. Now,
0: we do know... Oh, because it's empty. Yes. No, I remember. The place is seemingly empty.
1: Now, we do know that he brought... We'll find out it's music equipment. He brought something to that... Uh, party, he party. was the AV
0: guy of the party He didn't belong to the right, frat Right, but why he why wouldn't he have there. already
1: gotten it back And why he would be back to get it in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve I yeah. don't know Well,
0: because he left early, he rushed out To leave with them, leave I with understand them. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: Why wouldn't he have gotten it
0: earlier the next in the day? day? we see him at the library at one yes. point later Like, dude, you got the time
1: <laughs> But so he's pissed because they've destroyed his sound mixer. Uh-huh.
0: But he also knows like part of her plan, and his his job is to like distract them if they're there. I think so. And so he starts making a ruckus, but it's not just like, "Hey, what's going on in here?" They come in hoods and everything, and there's tons of them. And he's like, "Oh shit!" Yes. But Imogen is able to get in quietly because this is happening.
1: And they're like, "Hey, you got a headache?" That's just the founder drawing out your drawing true out alpha. your
0: true alpha. I mean I think I hate and love it at the same time. <laughs> I don't know.
1: But so yeah, they they change him and it here's the thing. It's like so many other movies where if you kill Queen Bee, they all all the drones will die, right? Uh-huh. So remember that when they're just killing a bunch of people. Yeah. Because those are just innocent frat movies yep. <laughs> that have been changed.
0: Or at least we have no way of telling the difference.
1: Yes, we have absolutely no way of knowing who knew what was going to happen when they put that black shit on. It
0: tries to justify it by at one point during the fight, one of the guys says, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't have any control over myself or whatever. But that's just a ploy he uses to get close to try to attack them. I think that's their way of saying that Landon is the only actual good guy in any of this. But like, so you're telling me that only one dude (laughs) in the entirety of all of this, only one dude is hypnotized against their will? That's really flimsy.
1: Yes, it is. But so she goes in and sees the bust and she's going to smash it. But she hears someone shouting, help me.
0: Uh, what did I say the moment that was ha- that happened? Smash the bust and then go see if you can help this voice.
1: Yes, because she's already pretty much figured out that it's kill the queen bee and the drones die. So, yeah. wh- so if you did this, the whole situation right. would be over. Uh-huh. Okay, but she doesn't. She doesn't.
0: She finds the voice and it's Helena.
1: Also, I'd like to know how Helena fucking knew she was in there.
0: Yeah. She would have had to have known that she was in there. It bad. doesn't make any movie sense. Movie
1: is bad. Like, just the movie part is really bad.
0: Riley is trying to save Helena, untie her, and, and then all of a sudden, Helena smiles really big and you're like, uh-oh. This is really obvious. And then the dudes are behind her and they knock out Riley. And it, we've come to find out that Helena is that woman from Carrie Elwes' class who said the patriarchy is good, actually, because women suck. and like She
1: didn't write that. That no, was no, no, written no. by some I, author.
0: <laughs> I understand that. What I'm saying is that she... She is that role. She is taking that role. Yes. And she's like, well, you know, if we just do what they say, they'll take care of us because we really are inferior. Like all those old women that don't trust lady doctors. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like one of those sorts of things. She's been it's like that sort of brainwashing.
1: We also get a montage of all of the characters who have died in case you forgot in the past hour Uh and a half. And and about how
0: Helena is the one that, you know, oh, if 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 the feminist movement is going to fail. It's because they don't get the support of other women, I think, is the point they're making. And it's the women undermining other women that's going to be the downfall of it. It's true. Helena is the one who gets all the stuff from them, like the comb. You did not explain the comb in the beginning. I know you you just breezed over it, but she has a Dumbo comb.
1: So, okay, it's not a Dumbo comb. It's a Dumbo story. So she has a comb in her hair. And Helena was talking about how nervous she was yeah. about singing that night. And so she told her this stupid story about how, you know, it's this comb that gives me all the confidence I need. And well, so like she I, to I her. had a
0: sore throat or something like that. And then somebody gave me this comb and then it just got better. So i so it's, it's I've a worn Dumbo it ever feather since. story. Exactly. Take
1: this feather. You'll be able to fly.
0: Exactly. So but that's that's Imogen's. And so what are all of these objects for? One of them, by the way, is a dildo. Sitting on the table I didn't notice All these objects
1: Oh but somebody did mention earlier I got her the best gift It was a dildo But that wouldn't make any sense Because she hadn't hadn't given it to her yet yet. So it didn't belong to her her yet And she dies before they ever got it Movie sucks
0: <laughs> So anyway the point is You can't is, even
1: follow your own magical bullshit
0: The point is Is that the magical resurrected cloaked body Of Calvin Hawthorne Is like a bloodhound I am so And you're mad giving right him now. a piece of clothing To give him a target to kill And he's the magical one that can teleport And kill all these women uh, Because he has an object of theirs so That's mad. what they've been using to kill these women Until tonight when they were all going as a group To attack all these sororities at once once and get all the women out of the college so anyway
1: they're they not kill,
0: killing they're not killing Imogen Poots
1: they kill Helena right away yes not really sure why I don't like, well
0: for the metaphor so you're if you try to be on the side of the patriarchy you're just hurting yourself
1: I understand but it's again, so bad.
0: movie wise yes why would you kill her before you would kill Imogen exactly kill Imogen first then kill her. They don't. They keep her alive for some strange reason. What
1: is this movie?
0: And then they're about to... They're Even though there's all these men here, they're about to stick uh, Calvin on her when, boom, busts through the door, and this is kind of awesome, Chris and all those other badass women from the other sorority. I liked it because, almost in comparison, I wrote, no final girl, and then I wrote... The ladies coming to the rescue scene was actually more effective than the one from Endgame. I know a lot of people really like that. Oh, here's all the women superheroes standing together. But it felt really fucking out of place. And like none of these women know each other. Like they haven't even been introduced yet. Like, you know what I mean? Like it felt very like here's our feminist moment in the movie, even though I completely agree it just felt weird and out of place to have it in this one moment in the movie, put it throughout the movie. This is a movie that put it throughout the movie and did not do it well, except this one moment. She actually says was
1: the line, you messed with the wrong sisters.
0: You messed with the wrong sisters.
1: That's a line.
0: Yeah, it's bad writing. It's, it's really, really bad, bad writing. writing. But I liked I, I liked the fact that it was just a bunch of women coming in to wreck shop against all these doofuses. I loved it. But that's like what? She actually says the line time? that we
1: will never be broken. Yes.
0: Wait! Wait! Wait. Don't you see? Woman is inextricably tied to man. Break us. And
1: you only break yourselves. We will never be broken.
0: It's bad writing. <laughs> it's bad, bad writing. But they
1: do set a dude on fire, which is great. Yeah. But yeah, and that's when Imogen says, you were right. I should have been fighting the whole time. Which yep. again, it's it's reinstating the fact that it doesn't matter how much you piss people off. You need to have your voice heard, which I'm super torn about.
0: Yes. I, I, I 100% I, understand that sentiment. And I agree with it to a point point but if you're burying your good argument in something that's turning people away from that argument are you really doing more good than harm
1: i guess i've just always been of the opinion that you pick your fucking battles yes. i i like there are things that we should be fighting for
0: where did i where did we hear that we just heard that i don't know something about somebody learning when to pick their battles
1: i think that was x-files was it x-files i think that was x-files yeah but like you know you. But again, there are a lot of women that would be very mad at me for saying that. Yeah. And it, I understand why they would be mad at
0: me. Mm-hmm. I get it.
1: So I'm I wanna, very I, torn. And I'm going to come
0: across horribly in this episode and I'm not looking forward to it.
1: And that's the worst part about this movie is that I'm like, I am in full support of the things you were trying to say. Unfortunately, you're not saying them well and then your movie just plain sucks.
0: My last note in in my notes for this movie is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I fully believe that Sophia Tical is a wonderful woman who believes strongly in in feminist ideals, and I agree with her on all those ideals. I think she has the best intentions with this, but what she ended up making, it's not a free pass for us to all think that your movie's good because we agree with its ideals. The movie's just bad.
1: Yeah, the movie itself is bad, but on top of that...
0: It's a muddled metaphor now. Every once in a while,
1: every once in a while, she just fucks up her message and it's just Uh like, what? Come on. With a movie that's as straightforward as this, how is it that difficult to not keep it from being fucked? But,
0: but again... Just go back and watch the first Black Christmas, people. It's incredible and we love it and we watch it all the time. And
1: it's all about feminism. Uh Uh-huh. It just doesn't irritate you with it and it doesn't (laughs) ruin the movie with it. Like, she... Full on. I mean, it was 1974, and she's like, "I'm having a fucking abortion." Like yep. that was a huge and you deal. You can't tell me that Despite I'm not. Despite the fact that her husband, her boyfriend, wanted to marry her, like uh-huh. he was gonna give her everything that back then, what a girl should have wanted, mm-hmm. and she didn't. Like, and then how is dude, that not clearly feminist?ic
0: The dude who it ruined his life because he couldn't get over it. He fucked himself over. Because he would he couldn't allow this woman to control her own reproductive system. It then paints that person as a villain. Like, and
1: then and they, they fuck like, it up by making him actually the villain. They fuck it up too by blaming it all on him.
0: Right. Well, the well, the other people around do that. The movie doesn't do that. Anyway, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. With a
1: cat <laughs> licking up the fucking black shit, and you're just like. What does that have to do with the rest of this message? Shouldn't it be a dude? Shouldn't it be a dude being like, what's this? Me. Uh Like, why is it a cat? What does that have to do with your story? They just want a
0: fun, cute moment.
1: But what does that have to do with the message that you've been making?
0: Yeah, you've kind of reinforced the idea that everything is a point about feminism. What is this point? The cat is, the female cat is licking up the toxic masculinity. So the movie ends. Everyone's dead. Imogen, Chris, and a lot of these uh, other women from the other sorority are still alive. Landon is still alive. He gets broken out of his spell and helps them out. Movie's over. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes?
1: I'm sure it's terrible. What is it? A 33?
0: 38. Um, Better than the 2006 remake, Yeah. yet not as sharp as the original, This Black Christmas stabs at timely feminist themes, but mostly hits on Familiar Pulp. It got a 49% average score on Metacritic and a D-plus cinema score from attendees.
1: I am so torn on what to give this.
0: Yeah. I I just, The moment we watched it, I thought, I think I'm going to give it this score for exactly the same reason.
1: I just don't know if I want to base it on... If I was basing it just on being a movie, it would not be good.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: If I'm basing it on the message that it was trying to send, that would be higher. But unfortunately, y- are you they gonna don't do going to give
0: it free points for that? Unf-
1: well, that. And then unfortunately they don't do an excellent job of showing their points. So that loses points too. It sucks that they've put me in this position where I feel like I'm not supporting productions yep. made by all women. And making the, the message clear that we're not going to take this shit anymore. Yeah. And... I don't want women to think that I'm not for that because I
0: absolutely am. I'm excited by the concept, but again, it's not a free pass. It doesn't you still have to make a good movie out of all of it.
1: I'm going to give it a 50.
0: That's exactly what I was going to give it. I'm going to give it a 50. That is exactly what I was like I it's a terrible movie. But there's so much stuff I like about it. Everything's very natural. I like the relationships. There are very key moments that work for me. And I really like the message it's trying to send. But it fails consistently in getting that message across clearly. And in the process, fucks up its plot. And so it's so frustrating in that regard that it's a battle back and forth of the things I like and the things I don't like. And so I just drop right in the middle. It's a 50.
1: What did I give the remake first remake
0: normally I find that ahead of time so let me look it up
1: I'm sure it was like a 10 if that
0: maybe I gave it a zero uh, it was a 14
1: 14 that's right yeah
0: and that was back in 2007 we did a double feature
1: we did not Sorry. do that in 2007
0: 2017 it was a double feature and it was one of the few ones that I never gave a grade to there wasn't like a consistent you make a you give it a grade I give it a grade so Back then? Yeah, that was our ninth episode.
1: Yeah, so, like, I read a lot of reviews that said that this was worse than the remake.
0: No, absolutely not. It it
1: is absolutely not. That remake is absolutely terrible. I mean, if you're thinking about it just purely as a remake, yeah, it's not a remake. If you if you want to say that the be- the first one is a better remake because it tries harder to it stick is. closer to the story, then yes, mm-hmm. but that's the only thing it yeah, has. But better.
0: we're not we're, it might earn points for being a good remake, but that's not what we're grading. It's we're not
1: grading. a good remake anyway. Yeah, we're so grading a movie, <laughs> yeah.
0: I think they could have called this something completely different.
1: Yeah, I don't know why they called it Black Christmas. I guess because they wanted to make all those homages. But guess what? Well, that's how it started. You don't have to make homages. I mean, you don't have to. Call it uh, the remake If it's just gonna make homages
0: Right exactly This is how Blumhouse operates though They get the rights to certain things to remake, or they get scripts that are really cheap to produce, and then they can them over to a director that they can be very hands-off with. What is your vision? How can we make that happen? And I love that philosophy of filmmaking, and it works out really well for Blumhouse because their successes are huge, and their failures are small. They do fail. They fail a lot, but whenever they fail, it's not a big deal.
1: Because they didn't put too much money into it Exactly.
0: It, making these low budget or lower budget, they're not like indie films or anything, making them low budget gives them the freedom to tell their directors, make what, what your vision is. And I think that's really cool. And that's exactly what they did here. And it had a lot of potential to be really cool, but yeah, 50.
1: Yeah. I honestly think that if they had stuck closer to the original story, They could have done a better job of getting their
0: message across. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like they could have just made them even stronger. Mm Could have just made those characters that we already knew and loved just a little bit stronger. Because honestly, that's all they need. They just need a little bit more oomph to them. Yeah.
0: If you're going to make a message movie, your message and the plot should go hand in hand and support each other. They should build on each other. But in this movie, it's the opposite. There's... The, pl- the two things are battling against each other.
1: Also, there's no... <laughs> Phil! Yeah, Bob! Answer me! There's none of that, so fuck this movie. Uh-huh.
0: There's no... They, their version of the obscene phone calls is the threatening DMs. Like, <sighs> come on. Which are
1: not nearly as terrifying.
0: Mm-hmm. The villain isn't mysterious. They don't live at the end. Hey, there's all hey, sorts of things. I'm you not okay that with
1: the mysterious I know. Killer. You
0: hate that ending, and I love it. Anyway... That is Black Christmas 2019. That ends our Christmas themed weeks for this year, Kelsey. We're going into New Year's. What are we watching next week?
1: That's right. It's New Year's next week. So, we're going to watch End of Days. Woo-hoo! <laughs> And Midnighters.
0: I have no idea what Midnighters is, but Arnold Schwarzenegger's End of Days.
1: Yes. It's a horror (laughs) movie about New Year's.
0: It's about the end of the world. I think I've seen it once. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times, but it's been... A very long time. A very long time. It's going to be awful. It's been like 20 years since I've seen that movie.
1: Chris is excited.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right, that is next week, End of Days and Midnighters. Until then, you can always reach us at our website, PodCemetery.com. Follow us on Twitter, at PodCemetery. Shout at us about our bad opinions if you want there. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcatcher of choice. A big help there is to rate and review, especially if it's a five-star written review. Bigger than that is sharing us with your friends, and even bigger than that is, you know, just listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris.
1: I've been Kelsey.
0: And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey... Any last words?
1: Oh Mother Superior I've got a present for you Santa's watching Santa's creeping Now you're nodding Now you're sleeping Were you good for Mom and Dad
0: Santa knows if you've been bad There might be Treat for you in Santa's bag of toys.
1: But Christmas won't be fun and games for naughty
0: girls and boys. Should have opened it up with, and it's garbage day <laughs> on Pod Cemetery. <laughs> I don't sleep. Naughty this. Sounds like some squirrel getting his nuts squeezed. <laughs>